The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now, Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X5 gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. All right, 16 weeks pretty much in the books. This is Film Study with Ken McCusick. We're going to look back at the Ravens' victory, 23-16 to over the Colts. Ken McCusick, how are you doing on this Christmas Eve? Life's good, Josh. How about you? 
I'm doing uh, doing pretty good. Starting all the uh, Christmas stuff, you know, church and and some family stuff with the kids and all before getting them ready for bed for a big Christmas day tomorrow. Oh, good. That's I'm sure you love that. That's you got a lot of a lot of wrapping to do tonight. I I am done my wrapping. I had to run out to one Christmas uh, store today to do some shopping. And to my surprise, I went to the mall today. Not bad. Everyone must be doing online shopping because the mall really? was not like what you think of for the mall on Christmas Eve. No, definitely. When when I was a procrastinator 10, 15 years ago and not into online shopping, that was definitely a big problem. Yes. I, am, uh, I took care of the online shopping a couple of weeks ago. Today it was one of my daughters who forgot to buy a present that I had to then take her to the mall to get a present. Got it. So, um, before we talk to the Ravens game, let's we haven't talked yet about with the playoff standings now because now we've been through all of Sunday's games. We saw that both Buffalo and Tennessee lost today, so that's really good for the Ravens and puts them in really good shape going into next week. It does, and and the Ravens would still like to get in by a win, but if they don't win, they've got now two back doors. So let's go through the three possibilities. If the Ravens win, they have locked down the five seed at this point, which means they'll be going to Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City cannot win the four seed. Sorry, cannot win the three seed from Jacksonville, even though Jacksonville lost today big. I mean, uh, Jacksonville giving up 44 points at San Francisco was quite an outing. But uh, and a bunch of interceptions by Bortles too, so it's good to know, good to see that they they're playing down to earth again. But anyway, the the uh, uh, Jacksonville has the conference record tiebreaker already sealed up against the Chiefs, so they cannot be anything but the three seed at this point. And they could play the Ravens. That means if the Ravens drop their game and the Bills win or the Titans win, but the Ravens have three ways into the playoffs, and that is. A win against Cincinnati, that guarantees them the five. A loss by Buffalo, they could be the five or the six. And a loss by Tennessee, they could be the five or the six. Gotcha. So if we lose and one of those other teams loses, that'll put us in the sixth slot. Right? That's correct. If we win, then no matter what happens, we're that fifth slot. That's correct. Um, It's unfortunate that we will be having to go to Kansas City because I would love to root for the Chiefs. Just for Andy Reid dressing up as Santa Claus for his post-game press conference that was today. Funny, I've never it? seen anything like that. Um, and you can tell the teams winning and heading to the playoffs when you get a coach having fun like that. Yep. You're not gonna see. You're not gonna see uh, uh, Chuck Pagano doing that after today's game. No, or Dennis Green with his famous. Uh, uh, they are who we thought we were. <laughs> right, <you know>? Exactly. <laughs> was, you know, exactly. Your team is in really good shape if you're dressing up as Santa Claus. Um. All right, so the Ravens, they beat the Colts 23-16, to but it, was, it wasn't a fun win. It was way too close of a game for a team that only has, like, three wins this season. Um, right. So, all right, do we classify this as just a bad win? I, no, I, I don't think there's any bad wins. It, it could have been much less close than it was had the Ravens converted some of those interception opportunities. Mm-hmm. They didn't play bad defensively. They actually played pretty well, I thought, defensively. They got most of the things done they needed to, particularly in the second half when the Colts were trying to mount a comeback. The, the Ravens played pretty well defensively. And there's, there's just nothing I would really pick out in this game that you'll say, this disqualifies the Ravens from being a good playoff game. Right. Did, they failed to convert on some interception opportunities. We're going to talk a little bit about right. that. Did you go to the game on Saturday? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How bad was the weather? Because it looked really bad and nasty on TV. 
It was quite a heavy rain. Um, we were trying to remember the other times we've had a worse rain than we did there. Uh, we had snow for the one game against uh, Minnesota in 2013. Right, but I feel, had, like, I feel like rain is harder to play in than snow. Yeah, it's, it's much less fun. We'd right. much rather have have snow. But the but the the uh, the rain situation, um, we, we, we can only remember one preseason game that was distinctly a worse, harder rain for longer. All right. So is it fair to say that had some effect on this game? And... I, I think so. So, so it, it, it definitely reduces the impact of the defense in terms of their ability to get around on the field. The offense tends to have an advantage because they make the first cut and the defense has to react to that cut right. and that usually uh, the offenses uh, do better. Right. Um, an easy storyline I think we could go away from this game is the lack of interceptions that <laughs> balls were just dropping out of guys' hands and chests. It looked like our offense was suddenly playing playing defense. That's right. So a tough game for the uh, uh, for the interceptions in this game. Uh, Brissett threw up four balls that really had a good chance to be intercepted. He's only been intercepted seven times all year. So that the fact that the Ravens put him in a position where they almost intercepted four passes is really good. They just needed to convert more of them. So he had a throw early in the first quarter, went right through Rodgers' hand on the first drive. It was tipped by Kennedy. Carr was in position to make that interception. Now, you know he's upset about it when he came and he picked up the football and he tossed it at Kennedy's head. It's a move that it would have been a taunting or unsportsmanlike conduct flag if it was done to an opponent. Right, but, but it, it was just a, a playful act after the play with a, with a teammate. Um, then midway through quarter three, uh, there was a ball thrown behind Hilton. Uh, this is like the forgotten one of Weddle's two missed interceptions, but it was thrown behind him. He deflected it. The ball came right across the face of Weddle, and, and Weddle did not actually get his hand on the ball to make a PD on it. Uh, the ball just floated right by him, and it, and it probably should have been either tipped or intercepted there. He whipped right. on it. Um, then the really bad ones came on their on the drive where they got the field goal to get within seven. The first one, uh, Brissett had Doyle wide open on a seam route uh, down the right uh, hash and numbers area, and uh, Mosley jumped the lane, got his hands up, tipped up the ball, and was then not able to either keep it up in the air or bring it in. And uh, and there were there was another player next to him. I forget if it was Owasso or who it was, but there was another player next to him who could have helped. So that was a shame. And then finally, the, the worst of the game, Weddle got drilled literally in the numbers between the hands and couldn't hold on to it a little bit later on that drive. And that was, uh, you know, that was a drive that they just had to shut down and that would have been the game. They would have led right. by 10 at that point. I think it would have been, you know, likely the Ravens would have scored off the turnover and then, you know, the game would have been really out of reach and, uh, you know, we wouldn't have been complaining at all about the about the size of the win or the shape of the win or whatever you want to call it right and that that was the big thing is is those uh Brissett was not playing well and any of those four plays could have really put the game away yeah that's true and and it's very unusual i want to talk about this briefly that the ravens not only lead the nfl in interceptions with 22 but they also lead the nfl in an important stat which is the percentage of their pds that have are converted for interceptions at 28.9%. So the Jaguars are second at 26.3%. If you go down to the bottom of the list, the Browns, the Falcons, and the Raiders are all just over 8%. So there's a big variation in how teams convert their passes defense into interceptions. And the Ravens are the best team at doing it. And this was a very unusual game. Even though one of these technically was not a PD, 
they were all good interception opportunities, and the Ravens normally would have found a way to get one or two of these in a typical game, possibly even three. So, anyway, tough game, but uh, but I like the fact that they're in position. I think they'll have good opportunities to create turnovers in the playoffs. Right, and that's the exciting thing is they're still in control of this playoff run. They're still... Uh... The defense has had a couple off games, but the offense has been heating up, and it's still nothing to be too concerned about yet. That's right. So, all right, so the defense did do some things right, and you want to talk about a few of the uh, big plays that they made? Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the game, you really we talk about the plays they didn't make. How about the plays they did make? The, the Colts had two drives at the end of the game. One, was, one ended about 4.30 or so when they took a field goal, and the other ended... Um, about 143 when they failed on 4th and 10. But on those two drives, the Ravens needed to keep them out of the end zone, um, uh, stop them from scoring a touchdown on both of those drives in order to win the game. So the first time around, uh, you know, they got a really nice uh, pressure from Smith and a, and a quarterback hit from Pierce. It was a very nice play. Humphrey had great coverage along the left sideline. That took them to 3rd and 5. And then... Suggs got a pressure, and Brissett was forced to throw the ball out of bounds uh, with Levine in great coverage on the right sideline. I mean, all those guys, I mean, they, they worked together as a team. They, they, they got the, uh, the coverage and the pressure they needed to stop that drive. That forced them to settle for a 30-yard field goal that pushed them, pulled them within seven. And then on the ensuing drive, the Ravens got one first down, but they didn't close it out. The nice thing they did in this game, which they have not done in previous games, is that they got all of the timeouts used for the um, Colts. So that was a positive. But then the Colts marched down the field a little bit. Actually, they didn't march down the field. What am I talking about? Then the Colts blocked a punt. And they had they right. got the ball starting at the 27-yard line. So one of the things about that is that it created a short field, which is not a terrible thing. You have to stop the other team on four downs anyway. It, you, it probably is slightly easier to do it on a longer field but the reason it's not so bad on a short field is that then you get a chance again potentially to drive up the field and score yourself. Because the other team's either playing for a tie or playing to take a chance on a two-point conversion, which is, I think, what they probably would have done. And then the Ravens were going to get a chance to drive back up the field if they had scored yes. um, there. Sure. So, you know, they got to second and three on a, I think it was a seven-yard run by Gore that set that up. But then they had a really nice play by Judon to penetrate, and uh, Mosley cleaned that up for a loss of three. So now it's third and six. Then Judon beat Haig again outside. He was a whipping boy on this on this final couple of drives. He got the pressure. He spun Brissett away from his receivers. By the way, that's always a great thing. When you get the quarterback turned away from his receivers, he's almost no chance he's going to complete a pass after that. He tried to get away from it, but he got tripped up by Smith, and then Henry, of course, flattened him for the sack there. That set up fourth and ten, and then... Despite the fact that they got ATS on that play. So the, the Ravens came with their four-man rush. They got ATS. And Kennedy, nonetheless, got excellent position on Hilton and uh, got, got uh, in front of him to knock down that pass for the PD. So outstanding plays there all around. Some in the secondary, some in the pass rush. It was a lot of pass rush, actually, on these last couple of drives that really converted this uh, opportunity for the Ravens for the win. Right. Uh, yeah, so lots of pass rush at the end of the game. But not so much in that first half. In that first half, it seemed like uh, Brissett had all the time in the world he, he wanted back there. Yeah, he sure did. And they were extended pocket times. I mean, ATS 
judges a, a one or a zero based on a three-second pocket, and we talked about right. that before. And so they had 10 of 18 ample time and space opportunities in the first half, but they had a bunch of four-second opportunities and a couple of five-second opportunities amongst those, so it was pretty bad. And what I thought was good is that Pease really dialed up much more pressure and much more confusion in the second half. It was really the second straight week that was like that, where he had a young quarterback, Brissett versus Kaiser. Um, you know, Ky- Kaiser is a lot less careful with the football. He makes a lot more unforced errors than Brissett does, who's only got seven interceptions on the whole year, despite the fact he's, he's playing under some very tough conditions. But he did the same basic thing. He didn't rush numbers. They, they never rushed more than five men the entire game. He only had five deceptive pressures, which is not a, the lowest number of the year by any stretch, but it's pretty typical for 35 dropbacks. It's not, a, it's not exceptional, but about 15% being deceptive was what I would expect. But they had more elements of deception spread out over all the plays. They were con- consistently showing six or seven at the line of scrimmage, six most of the time. And on eight of those occasions, they dropped two to coverage, and three times, sorry, twice, they dropped three guys uh, to coverage. So that's very confusing for the quarterback and perhaps even more confusing for the offensive line who, who has trouble keeping up with that. But, yeah, and, and the key being there that, that they never had to really send everyone. That's right. That's right. That's, that's, that's Pease's basic philosophy is don't sacrifice the back end. You know, they, did, they ran some stunts and twists. They had seven individual blitzes from off the line of scrimmage. So he will send a defensive back but he usually does not like to ever send two defensive backs and uh, and he really doesn't doesn't like to send his inside linebackers all that much although he did use mosley a couple times in this game right so you praised Brissett with that interception rate um is Brissett not your typical backup quarterback do you think this is a guy who's gonna get some more playing time in the nfl when andrew luck comes back or is he another guy who yeah. he's just happens to be the guy now and he'll get lost again next year uh, he'll be searching for the next opportunity. The next opportunity for him, because he's a young quarterback, I think he's going to get an opportunity to start somewhere, which might mean he has to go to a bad team and start for a year when they have a transitional quarterback uh, situation. Okay. Or it might be he's he's a guy who goes to a good team and is the you know the, the primary backup for a good team. So that right. could be good. But if he really wants to make money in the NFL, he needs to get through to year four have some sort of resume as a starting quarterback that will let him leverage that into a, a desperate team's offer at, you know, 8 or $10 million a year. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah, maybe he can follow the Kirk Cousins model where you just can't get rid of him. He yeah. plays just good enough that it's scary to leave him. Um, all right, but Dean Pease definitely made some halftime adjustments because the ample time and space went down a lot in that second half. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I didn't get into this, but 10 of 18 in the first half, they, they got ample time space. Only 6 of 17 in the second half. And in particular, on those last two drives, they were getting consistent pressure. The only one that they really didn't get good pressure on, or one of the only ones they didn't, was the final pass that was broken up by Kennedy. So uh, a very fine adjustment at, in the second half and a good pass rush performance in the second half. Uh, you know, we had several players, Judon, Zadarius Smith, Suggs had some good pressure, who, who all provided something on the, along those lines. So we'll get into that, some of that later. Right. Um, all right, well, that's, I mean, the big thing, I think, and I think we've learned that the past probably three weeks, is those halftime adjustments, Dean Pease hasn't been afraid to adjust things. No, it's, I, I think, you know, that is a positive about Dean. A lot of people are on Pease for being, you know, 
a, a lousy defensive coordinator or this or that. I just I, I don't I don't know where they're getting it. I mean, I the big thing Dean has done is bring on the dime this year. That's been extremely successful. I'm very happy with the way he's adjusted the the, the pass rush. He's used Levine very well, very effectively. Levine's three sacks, you know, speak for themselves in some ways, um, in, in terms of what he's been able to do with him and make him into a playmaker. Uh, just a lot of good things about the way he's he's organized the defense this year that I think it's it's really hard to have a legitimate complaint about how he's coached it. Right. All right, let's look at some of those individual players. And the first guy here I've got listed is Willie Henry. Okay, so Willie Henry uh, played 32 snaps in this game. He had a piece of both those sacks. So, so one of the first one was on a cleanup basis where Judon flushed the pocket for him, and he came in and he wiped out uh, Brissett on the back end of that. And then he also picked up the nice, easy flattening of Brissett when he'd already been tripped up by Smith. So he was headed to the ground, and uh, Henry was able to fall on him. I thought they might have given him half that sack, but they, they didn't end up doing that. They just ended up giving the whole thing to Smith. So... Uh, he he certainly deserves the credit as well, and uh, good game from Willie Henry. That was all. That was really the sum total of his defensive contributions. I would still like to see him playing a little less, but the Ravens again went with just uh, four true defensive linemen in this game. They have Ricard, but he's only played one defensive snap since October fifteenth. So now you know they, they had Wormley and Kafusi again on the inactive list. And I kind of question how that has worked out for the Ravens this year. But uh, if they had gotten anybody hurt in this game, it would have been a bad time to lose them with a rainy game and a team that really wanted to run the ball against the Ravens. Uh, speaking of running the ball, does Brandon Williams, he's still making that impact so much on the running game? He did in this game, even though he didn't really make tackles. He, he had an assist on one run stuff, and that was his only defensive statistic of the day. He did have a pressure that's not part of the official scoring routine, but that was good. But then the Ravens only allowed 2.9 yards per carry on the 20 run plays he was on the field. So 58 yards on 20 uh, carries with him on the field. And, and that is where he's really making a contribution. He's eating a lot of double teams. He's maintaining his spot when he's blocked by one guy and making it difficult. You have to go around Brandon, Brandon Williams. Uh, he got a little bit of penetration to the backfield, but nothing nothing that made an individual note in our um, in our recording. Gotcha. Uh, I'm waiting to see what the Ravens do in the offseason, but I'm pretty sure my next jersey pur- purchase will be a Matt Judon because he is fun to watch. Yeah, that's that's a great choice. He does a lot of things awfully well, and, and he did a little bit of everything in this game as well. One missed tackle fairly early on where, where he missed Doyle at, at uh, three yards in the backfield on a, on a little swing pass. Uh, but after that, he was all pretty much positives. He had a he had a pressure on a screen that forced Brissett to ground a ball, and that that was a kind of a hidden great play by Kennedy that we'll talk about later. Um, he had a really good coverage of a tight end down the right sideline near the goal line. That was a a fine coverage play. Ball went incomplete. Um, he uh, had the pressure that caused each of the two sacks in the game. So in each case. He was the guy who got to the, to the quarterback first, and the quarterback either got spun or flushed, and then the, there was a cleanup sack after that. Uh, he, he took down, um, he, uh, sorry, he did take down Brissett for a loss of three that denied a third and three play. That play was really made by Zadaria Smith. And then he, uh, he also set up a similar play from Mosley, uh, who took down uh, the runner, and I'm forgetting who this was, for, for a loss of three. 
uh, late in the game. So a, a good set of plays overall, and, and uh, Matthew Judon, boy, he is playing very well. Yeah, and that, that's exciting. And C.J. Mosley is another guy who's suddenly playing better at the end of the season, and he got six tackles yesterday. Yeah, six tackles. They're all solos. So, you know, they only played 59 snaps, and the Colts passed 35 of them. So you'd expect him to get some tackles, not necessarily a chart-topping number. And uh, two of them were tackles for loss. Uh, of course, he had the PD that would have been a big play if it had gotten all the way to uh, Doyle in right. the seam. But on the other hand, he also dropped the ball, and it wasn't an interception. So, you know, some plus and some minus ascribed after the PD. But, uh, but generally speaking, that was a valuable play as well. Uh, it was interesting. He drew a holding call that brought up a third and one. Okay, so there might have been, I forget if there was a gain of one, gain of two on the play, but it brought up third and one. Sorry, it brought up fourth and one on the play. So that hold, the Ravens could have accepted it and made it third and 11. So I guess it had to be third and one beforehand and a run for zero is what it was. Or they could accept the run for zero and make it fourth and one. And in kind of an odd choice, Harbaugh cho- chose to give the Colts fourth and one, and then Brissett got out of the pocket on a seven-yard run on the next play, and he converted, and they would go on to kick the field goal on that drive. So a little bit of an odd choice there. I didn't really agree with that one, but uh, Mosley did a good job of drawing that hold on the uh, right guard Clark on that play. So that's often something that goes a little unnoticed is when Defensive players draw a holding call on the offense. That's exactly the kind of big variation play you need to create on defense in order to get the other team off the field. And mostly did a good job on that play. It just it, they didn't accept the penalty. Yeah, there was a bit of an argument in my home during that when the Ravens accepted that penalty about whether or not you should accept that penalty. Um, and clearly, after the fact, it's easy to say you shouldn't have accepted that. And even Harbaugh said, "Well, maybe I shouldn't have accepted that after it." Okay, so they, they, they didn't accept it. They declined oh, it, right. but Never they mind. should I, have accepted it. Yes, they it, declined yeah. it. They should have accepted it. They declined it thinking they would get the fourth and one. And Okay, you watching the game with your brother, I'm guessing? Yeah. My, okay. we watch, every Ravens game I watch with my dad and my brother. If for some reason one of us is not there, the, we've got the group text chat between the three of us going nonstop. There you so go. That's Ra- good. Ravens are a big family time for me, as is the Orioles and any type of sporting event. Yeah, it's it's big family time for Maureen and me too, but we're so busy you know, charting stuff. It's really <laughs> the kind of fun we would normally oh, well, have. Well, I want to talk about your your family time in a little bit later after we get through these guys because there was a whole lot of talk about you and Maureen on Reddit this weekend. Oh, I appreciate so that. I, we'll uh, we'll get back to that. Yep. All right. Uh, let's go on. Let's move on to Suggs. Okay, so uh, I did want to hit on Zadarius Smith sure. for a second, if you don't mind. Let me go through, and it's just, you know how it, you know how much it bothers me to go out of alphabetical order. So right, we'll Smith. talk about Zadarius right. Smith first. So great game for Zadarius Smith. Okay, so first of all, he made three run tackles in twelve snaps, and all of them were stuffs, meaning they were not wins for the offense. They were short enough yardage given the down and distance that they were wins for the defense. So that was positive. Beyond that, he had another play we mentioned earlier, but he didn't get the credit for. He diagnosed that Brissett still had the ball, and he got penetration to the backfield and kept Brissett from getting to the outside, which allowed Judon to take him down for a loss of three, and that denied a third and three uh, early or late in the third quarter, I should say, when when the Colts were trying to mount a comeback at that point. So that was another positive play. He had a he had a sack, as we noted. He had four other pressures in the game as well. So he was very active in this game and 
uh, he is really getting hot at the right time because they need that extra interior pass rush presence, which is what he provides the Ravens uh, for the playoffs. So a very key player. Uh, you know, Pernell McPhee drove the pass rush from the inside in 2014 when the huge sack numbers were piled up by Suggs and Doomerville. It was McPhee drawing double teams on the inside that made a lot of that possible, and McPhee had a very high pressure rate that year. Well, Zadarius Smith is starting to be that guy who's coming in on third down in the dime, playing on the inside when they only play one lineman. And with Willie Henry, that is a very difficult double for opposing teams to figure out how to block. Yeah. And I, that, I mean, and that's, that is what's exciting about this defense is, is that, that situation and, and being able to get guys like that with experience together. Yeah, so Smith Smith will be a fourth-year player, by the way, next year. And the Ravens are going to really have to decide what they do with him. And he's making that decision very difficult, which is exactly what you want. So whether or not they want to sign him long-term before his fourth year begins, whether or not they want to try and wait through the year and see if they need to franchise him, whatever it might be. But but they uh, there are a lot of possibilities for Zaria Smith. They might they might end up losing him, which is always a possibility with the Ravens. But uh, but he might be a he's a very interesting player to try and keep as a cornerstone. Right. Uh, watching the game, I kept thinking Suggs was going to get to the quarterback, that he was going to strip the ball. It seemed like he was close many, many times. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. He continually was using a bull rush to pre- to uh, bench press the left tackle and right tackle, neither of them who put up too great a game in this in this one. But uh, Costanzo and Haig are the two of them. And uh, he constantly got into the backfield. And the times he got pressure, it was well... That it was value pressure. The, the the six pressures he had were resulted in five incompletes and a fourteen yard gain. So they only got two point, what two point three yards per play on those six plays. So uh, fine game for him. He did also have a run takedown for a loss of two. He did have two offsides penalties that neither of them hurt the Ravens really too much. One of them was right at the end of the half and it set up that sixty yard field goal that they missed, and the other didn't extend a drive either. So I think all in all, Suggs had a very good game. All right. Uh, the secondary really had the chance to really shine if they could have pulled off a couple of these picks. But let's do, go through a couple of these guys who did have good games, and we got to start with Maurice Kennedy. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, the guy's just playing absurdly well now in the slot. You, you, the Ravens are so fortunate to have the depth at corner they had. Even though Hill went down, I haven't heard how serious his injury is, but it certainly looked serious because it involved kneeling players around him. And you never like to see that. And that was the very little contact when he went down, right? You know, I actually didn't watch the injury okay. on TV yet, but I need to do that to, to that, look back and see. Was that the special teams injury? Uh, I, was that I, when he honestly, went down? I don't remember whether it happened on special teams. It wasn't on defense. He didn't play any snaps on defense. So it had to be on special yeah, teams. Yeah, it was on special teams. He was running a little bump and run with another guy, and he just went down. Oh, no. So, uh, oh. at first I thought it was open field, but there was a little bit of contact, but definitely it looks like uh, it didn't look good. Yeah, well, you know what that probably means. And, and unfortunately, at an injury at this time of year is probably going to impact him for next season. So, that's that's really not a good thing for a cornerback. So, this is exactly the time of year, by the way, that um, Lardarius Webb was injured in 2009, which is his rookie year. And so he lost really most of that 2010 season. He wasn't nearly the player he anybody expected him to be. And then 2011, he came back, and he was all of a sudden the best cornerback in, in all of football. So 
I, there's still a chance that Hill can be back, but this yeah. is this is definitely a career derailment for him to to get an injury like this at the end of his first year. Yeah, it is a knee injury, and he was carried off the field. Mm-hmm. So it it's nothing to. Uh, we can be hopeful, but yeah, not, so it didn't look good. We got derailed again. Let's talk positively about Maurice Kennedy because he certainly yeah, did a bunch he, of things he had well a great in this game. game. Yeah, he sure he sure did. Um, he got his hands on that pass drop by Rodgers. We talked about that was the, the on the very first drive that Carr tossed that ball at his helmet. One of the really great plays was at the end of the first quarter. So the Ravens got big pressure on a screen pass, which often happens, by the way, because the line is letting you through. They kind of chip block and they let you through. And then uh, Kennedy saw what was happening, had had the running back covered on the screen. I forget if it was Mack or Gore, but he was he was right between him and the quarterback. And that forced Brissett to ground the football. And that not only potentially saves you a big play because you've got linemen out in front of the play like that, but uh, it really oftentimes will tell the opponent, don't try a lot of screen passes when you're, when you're doing that. So uh, anyway, that was one fine play. And then, of course, they did score on a 14-yard screen pass a little bit later to Gore. On that play, he got upended by the left guard Vujinovic, and I think I'm pronouncing that right. It might, it might, might be Vujinovic, but uh, Vujinovic, we'll call him here. And uh, he he had the great play at the end of the game we know about, but he didn't really also allow any long receptions either. So uh, we, we record all the receptions if they're at least 9 or 10 yards, and particularly if there's yak on the play or if they're maybe uh, uh, caught behind the line of scrimmage with significant yak especially. But uh, Kennedy didn't allow any significant uh receptions in this game so very positive game and uh and uh you know he's one player that i think along with judan along with bowser probably along with henry that you know is an ascending player still in terms of what the ravens could get out of them in the playoff run well and all right you've got to put humphrey on that list as well then right i would i okay. would put humphrey on that list for certain you know certainly being a rookie he's he played great. In this game, he was the one guy who I thought really kind of fell victim to the rain in coverage, like clearly one time. There's a 24-yard pass to Hilton that went to the right side, and all you could really see on TV is that Humphrey was trailing pretty badly in coverage. Well, what was clear at the ballpark is that Humphrey actually slipped when he was turning, and, and it was the wet field was at uh, uh, responsible for that. And then he, he ran after the play. The other thing that was unfortunate about that was Jefferson was very late getting over on that play. So that left, uh, you know, Hilton in a position to, to make a big play there and, and get out of bounds. So anyway, it was what it was, but that was the only real significant play that Humphrey gave up. There was another play that he and Weddle had great back at coverage where the ball was just tossed in perfectly. And there's nothing you can do about that throw. You don't even worry about it. Like a closer, you deal with it the, you know, the next day and get better. But Humphrey had a very good game in this. There are a number of other positive coverage notes we had uh, in our list of him. All right, uh, Tony Jefferson got our attention for the blocked field goal in the, mm-hmm. in the first quarter, I believe that was. How was the rest of his game? So it, he had an up-and-down game. That was certainly a big positive. Uh, he got caught in the wash on a coverage that for a 13-yard pass to Doyle. It's not the end of the world or anything, but it's one of these things where he guessed wrong on being outside or inside, and then he got stuck behind Carr on the right side of the field and, and wasn't able to get back into position to cover Doyle. Um, he, he got a big hit on Hilton, uh, in the second quarter, right near the right near the half, when he hit him square in the back, and I didn't think Hilton was going to get up for that. That was a very hard hit, and you know Hilton was kind of bent over for a minute before he ran back to the huddle. But it was a, it was a good uh, good solid hit that that uh, the football was really already gone, but he was credited with a PD on that play. 
we mentioned already him not being in position on the Humphrey slip. And what else did I have to say about this? Okay, there's one other play in this game that I don't know exactly what happened, but Carr was in coverage of Hilton, and it was a crossing pattern okay. from left to right. Now, that's unusual, first of all, a Carr would be on that side of the field, but when that happens... Carr is not going to be able to stay with T.Y. Hilton over an extended period like that. So he needs safety help somehow. And on a crossing pattern, he's likely to really get burnt. Well, anyway, he got over to the point where Hilton caught the ball, which was, let's see, the, the play there was for six. It's for 16 yards. I forget it was 7 plus 9 or 6 plus 10 or whatever it might have been. But he threw his arms up in the air immediately as soon as the ball was caught. And he looked at... Jefferson. And it's right. pretty clear he expected Jefferson's help on the play. By the way, horrible form to emote before the tackle has been made, but that's what he did. And and uh, you know Jefferson probably needed to be more cognizant about that crossing route, but it really goes to what Jefferson is not great at, which is trying to play the back end and anticipate the coverage necessarily coming into his zone. He's, he's not terrible with zone under coverage. He's been pretty bad with any kind of zone over responsibility. So that's where that's where I've had a problem. All right. Uh, but right, let's take a break before we get to our defensive MVPs because I want to talk about this Reddit column that you became the the subject of. And I want to give a the ti- the title was a shout out to Ken McCusick. And I'm pulling Did you it, put that out there, Josh? I did not pull it up here. I want to thank Buzz Killington 101 who put it out there and he said I'd like to thank Ken McCusick for his incredible work he puts into the film study podcast and articles. The level of, level of detail he goes into is remarkable and his analysis of every snap on both sides of the ball is nothing short of amazing. So uh, in case some of you haven't checked it out, give it a try. I'm not from Baltimore and maybe he's a staple in the area but I just happened to uh, across the podcast looking for Ravens content and thought I would share. Uh, and then it went on to, what is it, 23 comments, 87 likes on this post uh, with people on the, on the Ravens Reddit talking about you and the great work that you and Maureen do. Um, just, just very nice to hear. And, and the, the work that Maureen does on this goes completely unnoticed. But we're spending, we spent a lot of time on this. We just, we're doing offensive line scoring tonight on Christmas Eve. Spent a couple hours getting through almost two quarters of offensive line scoring because it was a complex, messy first half. Um, but we wrote down, you know, we write down a lot of stuff. And one of the great things about Maureen is that I can read her handwriting and I can't read my own. So <laughs> right. we'll be, we'll be uh, uh, going through this. And the other thing is, if you have any eyesight issues, as most people 54 do, like me, where you, you have trouble focusing as, as you did when you were a young guy, uh, it's much easier to, to watch the screen and kind of give your notes to somebody else who's taking them as it is to go back and forth from the sheet to the, to yeah, the uh, screen. So it's a, it's a big deal. She's a wonderful help, and just I, I couldn't do it without her. Yeah, and one thing that I liked on there, besides reading everyone's nice words, uh, was one, someone posted a link to an old article you wrote for Russell Street Report, which I think Russell Street Report needs to republish on how you, you cover these games and how you break them down and what your setup looks like. I think you need to update that article if anything has changed and repost that onto your film study blog at Russell Street because it's amazing the amount of work you do for this. I, I appreciate that, Josh. It's, it's a lot of fun. I saw, I saw they also had a shout-out to you for keeping it light and being the, uh, 
the fan of the stands. Yeah, yeah. No one on there has yet to call me an idiot and say that I need to pay attention more. <laughs> Everyone on there was very pronunciation. Nice. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, it's 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 true. I see. They were saying how they see different things in the game from listening to your analysis, and I definitely know. Uh, that's how I, I see the game differently. And even yesterday, I downloaded the new Madden game, and I was playing that. And I was like, wow, I know everything about these linemen that I didn't would never know these guys before on the field. Oh, that's uh, pretty cool. So, um, all right, we covered that. It's time to talk a little bit more about the Ravens game and get to the defensive MVPs. All right, well, life is good. I, I, we'll, go, we'll start from 3-1 to one here, and I'll start with, I'll start this time. We'll go with Maurice Kennedy as my number three, and it was hard to really decide on a lot of these guys, but he just had so many big plays, and obviously the highest leverage play of all was to get that game-sealing pass defense. Um, and my number three is Willie Henry, uh, just for getting in there and the pressure that he at least got involved in some way in the two sacks. Yeah, good choice. Can't argue. My number two guy, Matt Judon, uh, terrific game, contributions across the board, uh, Contributed to both, you know, the, the the pressure that led to both sacks. Just a very, very good game. And um, my number two is Jefferson for the field goal block. I, uh, it's exciting for special teams to continue to play well. They had some struggles with with the punt block, and I, mm-hmm. I think, in fact, Cook just had a bad day. He had one of his worst punts I think I've seen in a while earlier in the game. Uh, but Jefferson getting a field goal block—that's the type of move that can really change a game. Yeah, yeah, good point. Lots of wind issues yesterday for Cook, but uh, but yeah, had a had not his best game. My number one guy is Darius Smith. Uh, huge game, multiple contributions, and uh, very exciting. Got got the sack at a very big time. Uh, we mentioned all the pressures, the run stuffs, the setup for uh, to take down Brissett on third and three. So wide variety of contributions. He's the the number one this week. Right, and I am giving mine to Mosley because I am excited to see Mosley uh, back in form and to the becoming the Mosley that we all fell in love with and got hopeful you know, for. I I cannot argue with any of your picks this week. You didn't pick the cat. You didn't pick you know. Hey, that cat, real fan that cat was a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, and I and Brissette was too good. I couldn't pick him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so all right. Let's get to film study mailbag, and I'm going to put my question first because I'm shocked that no one has asked this yet in the mailbag. And I want to ask you about James Harrison. Since the Steelers let him go, and the talk is that the Ravens have reached out and the Patriots have reached out. Now, this is two teams that will have to play the Steelers in the playoffs if they're going to go and make it to the Super Bowl. Is James Harrison any help on the field, or is this two teams looking for knowledge of the Steelers? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I I don't really see Harrison helping the Ravens that much, given how stacked they are at uh, outside linebacker. So I think it's probably unlikely that, that he'll be a help to the Ravens. They've got to want him as a pass rusher because he doesn't really do anything else at this point. Um, and, you know, you, that means you got to take Judon off the field, or you got to take Bowser off the field, or you got to take Smith off the field, or you got to take Suggs off the field, but you got to take one of those guys off the field. And they play three of their four outside linebackers on all snaps. And I don't also don't know who do you cut. Who do right. you cut at this point? I mean, you you, you got to cut somebody. Everybody is healthy, more Par- or less. Pyramid. Okay, <laughs> no, it's not happening. So I know, I if, know. The other one, and, and we can talk about this. And this is maybe more realistic in terms of 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 uh, in some respects. Anyway, is that there's been talk of of re-signing Steve Smith Senior. 
Yeah, and I was going to get to that. Minion Hunter put that one out there. Do you think signing Steve Smith Sr. is a possibility? Uh, give him another shot at a ring. And, a, uh, and of course, the Ravens need guys that can catch the ball. I, I am really – I don't see Steve Smith as a guy who's in shape and ready to take the football field today. Yeah, I, I think you're probably well. And he's, he's been eating well off the snack tray at the network for, for you know, the whole season, so who knows. Uh, I, I would have no way to know if the guy's actually even close to in-game shape, but I would very much doubt it. And, and I, is, there no, is there no time limit? Like, can the Ravens sign him the, as they're going into the playoffs? There's no, no roster there's, issues? There's no no restriction because he's not on anybody else's roster. If you are on somebody else's roster, they couldn't trade for him. Okay, but if you but, want to but, sign a guy off the streets, you can do it anytime. Yeah, you, you, you can certainly do that. And people, you know, teams have injuries and they make these kind of signings, you know, going into the playoffs pre- pretty much all the time. The Patriots especially are really known for picking up an important signing right before playoff time. Right, uh, like, like would, when they re signed Garoppolo next year. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty bad whiff on their time. If Garoppolo oh, no, it, is he's, he's as, coming back. I'm saying he goes back to New England. This is all planned out. Is my <laughs> well, he, the the San Francisco has two years to franchise tag him. Right. So they won't he won't get out of San Francisco without they're signing gonna, a contract. They're gonna give him the twenty million franchise tag? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, it might even be 25 million this next year, but he's worth every penny, I think, based on what we've seen in four games. And, and they probably honestly will just sign him for, you know, six years, 150 million, whatever it is, and, uh, and be done with it. But he's, uh, he's already, I think you'd have to say, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the game. All right. You distracted me, but I want to come back to this James Harrison question because here's my thought is the guy is bitter. He's very upset that the Steelers let him go. Why, wouldn't you just sign him just to mess with the Steelers' heads, to make them think they need to change some of their plays around? Yeah. To, to, you're just trying to screw with them mentally at that point, right? I mean, I guess if you had, if you had, the, if you had spot the spot even on your roster, even as an inactive, even as an inactive, and you could make the Steelers believe that we knew everything about their right. special teams and defense, then maybe. But, but you know, it's... How about, it's, a, how about a coach? Would James Harrison want to come down and be a coach? Now that, that I like. That I really like. <laughs> sure. By all means in that case. Mr. Elite, Elite at Elite Nest on Twitter says, Hey, film study, I got one for you. What do you think of Maurice Kennedy and his play since returning from IR? Yeah, well, thrilled with it, certainly, and couldn't live without it at this point. Uh, you know, the injury to Hill makes Kennedy the last slot corner I think the Ravens really trust at this point. They've moved on from Lardarius Webb, who's had just a few few snaps in the last few weeks. But Kennedy is the guy. That's the guy they trust in the slot right now. Uh, before this game, I really had questioned whether it was going to be sooner or later that Kennedy moved to the outside and took over probably Carr's role there. Now, I don't know. I think that the injury to Hill probably increases the chance that the Ravens will stick with Carr for one more year and uh, and see what's going on there. Obviously, Jimmy Smith will be back, but Kennedy's playing very well, and he's one of the players that is a significant possible uptick of play even in the playoffs from here. So I named a few players that fell into that category, mostly second-year players, whether it's Humphrey or Judon or Kennedy or Willie Henry that uh, all are young defensive players who could play better in the playoffs. All right. Uh, one more question here for you. Chelsea Hubbard at Chelsea Jane 4 asks, I was surprised the strip by Tony Jefferson wasn't mentioned more because it was easy to see on the TV broadcast. Right. Uh, so that's a good, that's a good question, that's, that's Chelsea. The, I 
CJ Mosley assisted with the hit, and they talked a lot about his big hit. But what about the strip? That that's right. And so that was actually it was actually in the last game against the Browns that happened. And I think just Duke Johnson had a catch off to the right side, and uh, Jefferson had him wrapped up, and he actually had his hand on the ball. Mosley came in, made a big hit, and then Jefferson pulled the ball loose. They actually, it surprised me, but the NFL fixed both of those statistically over the course of last week, and I wasn't expecting that. But the way you, you, what you can see is you look at, at the game book on NFL GSIS, and then you can now see that Levine's quarterback hit went away, and now Jefferson has one, and the forced fumble is now on Jefferson and taken away from Mosley. So the NFL has corrected both of them, and it's uh, nice to see that Jefferson was probably cre- properly credited. Great. That's, that's good because Jefferson definitely has been struggling, and it's exciting to see him start to help out this team. All right, Ken. Uh, you, it's Christmas Eve, and you already posted a new article up on Russell Street Report. Right, so so the this defensive article is out there. Uh, you'll probably see it on Twitter and whatnot. Go out there, and you can see the entire archive, including the article that Josh mentioned about, which talks about how Maureen and I go through the process. It's out there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's from 2016, I think. So it's a few years yeah. old, but it's up there. It's you look for the making of film study Ravens, and you'll find it in Google. So anyway, the uh, that's there. Uh, follow me on Twitter at film study Ravens. And we need to mention our sister show on 336 as well. Yeah, Section 336. Uh, if you Once you're done, I'm assuming that you're listening to this film study podcast where you're uh, wrapping, wrapping gifts last minute on Christmas Eve or, or uh, you've had enough family time or you're driving to another house and you're listening to this. So once you finish up with Film Study Podcast, you should go check out, catch up with Section 336. There's been some good episodes up there. I believe Wednesday or Thursday of this week will be the new 336. And Matt and I are going to sit down with Stephen Rydens, who is a uh, he's a single-A pitcher in the Seattle Mariners organization. But the reason that we're in, you've got to be interested in this guy is because uh, my brother Matt, who does Section 336 with me, taught this kid in high school. And huh. now he's in the Seattle Mariners uh Organization, so he's a local kid from Annapolis who's who's trying to get his make his way to the big leagues. Very cool. So, what did Matt? What does Matt teach? Matt teaches English, high school English. All right, very good. So, uh, it'll be fun to catch up with this kid and kind of get some of the inside stories of what's it like to be a single A uh, pitcher. Um, I think it was last week that there was some talk on Twitter because a practice, an NFL practice squad player complained on on twitter about the amount of money a practice squad player makes and every minor league, every, every minor league player that i am familiar with i think bashed him on twitter and and did the math that he makes like 120,000 a year uh-huh. uh to be a practice squad player compared to a minor league baseball player that makes about 15,000 a year yes, that's right now i have one good story about this and this is from an old uh high school classmate richard bosley who went on to pitch in minor league ball and i saw him a few years after that and he said yeah he was playing in the northern league blew out his arm after a couple of years which was sad but he, he, he made it as far as single a and he had the story of the summers in montana when he was playing there that they would go in on a 90 degree day with a full raincoat into a shaky's buffet and load up on food for that night and then they'd save their 12 dollars per day meal money okay. to buy a tr- to buy a, a Stroh's 12-pack. And I think I have the details on that right, but uh, but hopefully he'll nah, correct me if not. Minor League Baseball is not 
glorious and it's not fun. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's definitely every minor league player I ever talked to. It's always, what are you doing during the off season? And it's working construction, doing sales. They're, they're doing some other type of job. Yeah. So it'll be fun to, to hear from this kid. Yeah. Very good. Looking forward to that, Josh. Yeah. All right, Ken. Well, have a uh, great Christmas tomorrow. And uh, we'll talk after Christmas to talk about the offense. And uh, again, Flacco having a, a good game. Yeah. Looking forward to it, Josh. Thanks right. a lot. Bye. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.